You're listening to the Community Podcast, episode 135. Reverend Kurt Henry wraps up the Gospel According to Luke series in his message titled, Back to Normal. If you would like to learn more or watch the video from this podcast, please visit comref.org. Last night, about 9 o'clock, I, as often happens on a, on a weekend when I am going to preach, I, I want to come here and, and kind of finish up some work, but I also... I feel like, oh no, I can't do this. Uh, I don't have anything. I, there's, there's nothing. And then uh, I, I got in my car and I started listening to the songs that, that we were going to sing. And, and often I'll talk to Kurt on, on Sunday or Monday and, and, and I'll have a suggestion. And on Tuesday I thought, oh no, I, I didn't talk to Kurt. And then he picked those songs and so I'm glad I didn't talk to him because he had all the right ones. And so, uh, and then between services, I preached at nine, and then I did a baptism conference, and I, I came in, and I was feeling tired, and it's like, am I going to be able to do this? And then we sing again, and so I'm ready. Hope you're ready, too. Christ the Lord is risen. He's risen. He's risen. Indeed, you bet he is. Um, one, of our, uh, one of our co-workers, Marin, uh, she didn't grow up in the Reformed tradition where you say he is risen indeed. And so uh, Pastor Doug over at Beaver Dam a while back, he, a couple years ago, he said, Christ the Lord is risen. And, and Marin yet, you bet he is. <laughs> I like that better. Christ the Lord is risen. <laughs> you bet he is. Amen. Oh, hey, we want to welcome you if you're, uh, if you're uh, watching online, uh, if you're normally part of the body and you just can't be here this morning, or if you're from across the, the world or across the state or across the country, we're glad that you're here. And if you're ever in town, come look us up. At uh, some point, the snow will go away and it'll be a beautiful place to be. So you can come. Some of the songs that we sang, and I, I, I thanked the band by name earlier, but I, I don't want to forget and miss anybody. I forgot Adam, the drummer. I forgot his name for a second. And so the rest, great work this morning. Thanks for, for being here. Some of, the, some of the words that were in the songs that we sang said, we would be slaves to darkness if it wasn't for the cross. Or I was a prisoner and now I'm not. With his blood, he brought our, bought our freedom. Hallelujah for the cross. I don't know about you, but, but that just calls me back to the resurrection. And, and it reminds me, we are, we're redeemed people. We've been in the book of Luke since, since really December. And uh, I went back this week and I looked at a couple of the messages. Pastor Trent started in Luke uh, in January and he, and he did a little bit of, of, of background in, in Luke 2, we, we read that, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And why is that important? Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem because all of the lambs that were used for the Passover were born in Bethlehem. And, and that is the first notice that we have that Jesus is going to die. Jesus is going to be the Passover lamb. He was chosen on Palm Sunday. Trent mentioned that again. Uh, he was chosen that day as the Passover lamb. He came in on the donkey, not on the steed. And the message of this book, Jesus has had over and over, to those of you who think you've got it figured out, Pharisees and us, and if you think that it's about following the rules and checking the boxes and doing the right things, that's not what this following Jesus thing is all about. It's, it's about a relationship with me. They don't get it. 
And the, and, and the disciples, even the disciples still don't get it. This is, I was reading this week, and, and the, the, the heading at the beginning of chapter 24 is, Jesus has risen. But listen to this, these, as Luke tells this story, it's not going to be on the screen until we get to verse 13, but on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, so that's the day Jesus rose, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They were going to anoint his body. They thought he was dead. They had forgotten already that he said, on the third day I would rise. While they were wondering about this, maybe they're thinking, but they're wondering, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? He said, The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. So they went back and they told the disciples, and the disciples didn't believe them. Jesus had been teaching them for three years. He'd been talking about it. He'd shared it over and over, and they don't believe it. It says later, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Really, Peter? But we're looking at it over 2,000 years later. It still didn't make sense to them. They still don't get it. Jesus did everything necessary for our salvation. But as Pastor Trent said last week, we have to respond. He has pardoned us, but we have to accept that pardon. And so here in, in verse 24, Jesus gives them, or in chapter 24, Jesus is going to explain it to them one more time. And maybe not the last time. So here, these words from the book that we love. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. In the book of Mark, it says he was in another form. Maybe his glorified body, maybe Jesus just did Jesus stuff and he, and he made it so that they, somebody came up to me afterwards, it was like undercover boss. You know, he, they, didn't know, they didn't know it was him. I don't know if he had a, you know, but it was his glorified body, I think. But Jesus asked them this simple question. What are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Pretty judgmental about it. Don't you, don't you know what's going on? Don't you remember everything that happened last week? Well, they didn't really remember what Jesus had told them either. Jesus said, what things? Because he wanted to hear from them. What, what, what do you think went on? So he says, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. And then this, but we hoped, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. That's the imperfect tense of the Greek verb. I, I sort of remember that from seminary back in 2007, uh, but it means past tense. They had hoped. They no longer have hope. 
that he's going to rescue them. They were still thinking it was this political thing that was supposed to happen. We had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. So they kind of know something was going to happen on the third day maybe, but it hasn't happened yet. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. That's the most important phrase, I think, in this passage. They did not see Jesus. They, they, they hadn't seen the resurrected Christ. Then Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? You still don't understand? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. He explained to them the word of God. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he's at the table with them, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he began to give it to them. And then their eyes opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those who were with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. It's an amazing story. Last week was Easter. Everybody comes out. It was a great service. It's the most important day of the Christian year. We celebrate the resurrection. We've been ransomed. We've been pardoned. But I want to ask you today, do we really get it? Are we so much different than the disciples? Do we really understand or do we, like they did, just go back to normal? They're headed back to Emmaus, seven miles. I walk about 15 minutes for a mile. Uh, I can do one eight-minute mile, but then I have to stop for quite some time, a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> so they weren't doing that. They were going 15-minute miles. Um, so it's a couple-hour walk, right? And they're walking along. They weren't transformed. They were downcast. The stone had rolled away. They were told that Jesus rose, but they weren't so sure. So they were downcast, headed back home. We had hoped, but this didn't go the way we thought. He came in on a donkey. He suffered. He was crucified. He did not liberate us from the Romans. There was some talk about resurrection or the third day, but they haven't found him. So they're still downcast. They were singing Hosanna one week and the next week. They're not so sure. They're wondering. So we're going back to normal, right? What about you? We celebrated the resurrection, but has it liberated you? Have you been ransomed? Have you been redeemed? What have you done with your pardon this week? Do we really understand what Jesus came to do? He didn't come to make our life easy or to free us from all trouble. This week was probably full of 
your share of that. He came to take away the punishment for our sin and to bring us back into relationship with God, a walking, talking, knowing, loving relationship with him. And the disciples on the way back to the road, they weren't experiencing that. Jesus says to them, oh, how foolish you are, how slow you are to understand. He says, you know, Scripture is clear. Jesus opened up the Word to them, and I don't know what stories he used. Some of my favorite stories uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, the Israelites are walking through the wilderness, and, and, uh, and there's some snakes that are attacking them, and, and, and they, they make a, a snake, and they put it on a stick, and when they raise the stick up, if they look at the, the raised-up snake on the stick then the snakes don't bite them. It's a, it's, a, it's a foreshadowing of Jesus is going to be raised up. He's going to be the one to rescue us. Another one of my favorites, uh, Abraham and Isaac. Now, it's a scary story. I said, when Pastor Trent tells it, it's, it's bloody and it's, it's scary. But it's a good story in that in the end, the ram is found in the thicket. And that ram, instead of having to sacrifice his son, it's that ram. Well, Jesus is that ram. I don't know if he told them that story. Or the Passover. The Israelites took the Passover lamb that was born in Bethlehem and they killed it and they put the blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not enter into their households and they were saved from the angel of death and they were delivered from Egypt. I don't know which stories Jesus told, but it says he went through the, the law and the prophets and he, and he shared with them how he had fulfilled it, how, what it was about him. When a child is baptized here at Community, uh, the first child, we give them this, this Bible. And many of you have this Bible, and, and I hope you're reading it to your kids because it's really, really cool. It says the Jesus Storybook Bible, it says every story whispers his name. When you read this, it, from creation to the end, Jesus is in the midst of it. And, uh, and that's what Jesus did walking along the road. He explained scriptures to say, I'm in the midst of all this. This is the plan. Jesus explained it. He had already told them in Luke 9, it says, once Jesus was praying alone with only the disciples near him, and he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, but others said Elijah, and still others, that one of the ancient prophets has arisen. He said, but who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Messiah of God. So they began to understand who he was, and he ordered them and commanded them not to tell anyone. And he said, the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. So he had told them, he had showed them. He rebuked Peter. When Peter said, no, that can't happen. And Jesus said, get behind me. That is what's going to happen. But they didn't see it. They went back to normal. And I think we all go back to normal. So what did Jesus do when they were headed back to normal? He met them on the road. He opened up his word to them. He went in to eat with them. He took bread and he broke it and their eyes were opened and they said, our hearts burned within us. Have your eyes been opened? What happened? You see, folks, the empty tomb is not enough. You must have an encounter with the resurrected Christ. Let me say that again. The empty tomb is not enough. We have to have an encounter with the resurrected Christ. And so I want to ask you this week, have you encountered the resurrected Christ? 
Because when they encountered the resurrected Christ, everything changed. They got back on the road, went back to Jerusalem. Probably took them less. Maybe they did a couple of those eight-minute miles. They were back there in just a little bit. They waited in that room for the Holy Spirit to come. And when the Holy Spirit came, they went out and they changed the world. We're here today because they, they didn't stay in Emmaus. They went back and they followed Jesus. So are we merely people who just show up for worship once in a while, maybe on Easter, maybe Sunday to Sunday, you all came back? That's a good thing. Or are we people who have encountered the resurrected Christ? There was some controversy this week after the bombing in Sri Lanka. Many were killed. Some of those were churches. And and there was some controversy about the use of Easter worshipers versus Christians. Now, I don't want to get into it. I think sometimes we just like to argue. It's sad in our country. But I do think that the book of Luke talks about there is a difference between people who just come and worship and they want to check boxes and they want to do a few right things and people who, are, who have encountered the living Christ. People who have had their lives transformed by that encounter. If you show up for worship, but you're not transformed, then Satan really isn't concerned, and, and, and I don't think you're really being a follower of Christ. But in showing up, we can encounter the living Christ today. As a church, we have core values. There are things we hope and pray that when we gather together as his people that these things will begin to happen. And one of the first ones is transformation. We think that when we gather together as God's people, we change. Something should be different about us because we've been together. The songs we sing, the words that we hear, they should change us. We believe that we should be about reproduction, I got off on a tangent in, in the first service this morning. I'm not going to go there because when, when I haven't thought about what I'm going to say, it gets a little dangerous. So I talked about reproduction, and it got confusing, and uh, children are present, things like that. So we won't go there. But we need to tell other people about Jesus. We need to share the good news with others so that they can share with others, so that they can share with others. That's part of who we are, and that's what happens when we encounter the resurrected Christ. Empowerment. We think God wants to work in you. It's not just about one hour on Sunday. It's about all week long. What is it that God wants to do in the world that only you can do? He wants to empower you to do that. We think that as believers, when we have an encounter with the resurrected Christ, that we'll become more like him. We'll become more authentic. Is there something about you that people see that and they know that you've been with Jesus? Do they know, do they think maybe you go to church sometimes? Or do they know that you've had an encounter with the resurrected Christ? One of our core values is less self. Do people see you giving up what you want for the sake of others? That's what happens when you encounter the resurrected Christ. And then we believe we're on a faith journey. That's what it's all about together. We haven't arrived yet. We're going to stumble, we're going to fall, but all together, we're on a journey. When we encounter Christ, he opens up scripture for us. When we commune with him in the breaking the bread, we're transformed. When we just show up, we're here. But what I want to know is, how does this 
being here affect that? Life outside. How does this, reading scripture, how does this book affect who you are on a regular basis? How do the sacraments, when we break the bread and when we take the cup, does that change us? So I want to ask you, have you gone back to normal? Or have you been transformed? Was this week any different than last week? Well, I hope that you're at least seeing some incremental change. It's not about doing what the Pharisees talk about. It's not about checking boxes or do's and don'ts. It's about transformation. So what changes in us when we encounter the resurrected Christ? I talk about this a lot, but I, I think it, it's where the rubber meets the road. Uh, athletics in our, in our world is, is too important. I've loved athletics my whole life, but it's become too important. I was at my son's baseball game yesterday. One Zealand team against another Zealand team. I think the rubber meets the road when you, when you begin to realize that the kid who's, who's pitching to your kid is somebody else's kid. Are we rooting for the center fielder to drop the ball so my kid can get on first base? And I don't think that's how Christians, I don't think that's how we, we want to watch games. I was standing with my friend Tony, and uh, he might be listening. He, said, he, he goes to another church, but he said, I might, I might listen because I heard your commercial. And it uh, sounded like interesting. But I was talking with Tony, and we're standing there. It's like, how do we as believers do this thing together? I'm rooting for his son. His son's pitching to my son. Now what? We just, it's baseball. It's not the end of the world. I think being a Christian needs to change how we, how we watch our kids' sports. It needs to change how we parent. In the midst of those difficult times, does the Holy Spirit whisper and, and tell you to calm down? Maybe that's your wife's voice. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit's voice. <laughs> Maybe it's both. Does, it, does that change who you are as a spouse? Does, does being transformed, having an encounter with Christ, does that change your family calendar? We were looking at the busyness of our life this week. Do we have to make some changes because of who we are as believers? Does how you post on Facebook or Twitter, does that need to change because you've had an encounter with Christ? Some of you, I've, I've read some of your stuff. Sometimes it's not good. I go, oh, I know them from church. <laughs> and then I wonder, some, I, I, I sent somebody a message, you know, that was the wrong thing too. Um, talk to them, talk to people, but it's, we need to be transformed. I've seen people this week, they've gotten a diagnosis that's a difficult one. Or their family's going through a struggle that's a difficult one. Does having an encounter with, how does having an encounter with the resurrected Christ, how does that change how we deal with those things? Do people know that you go to worship from time to time, or do they know that you have encountered the living Christ by how you live, by how you act in the daily things of life? Does the resurrection change who you are, or are you slow to believe? The first day of spring happened a while ago, right? March something. Now, we're wondering, is it really coming? If the first day of spring came and nothing ever changed, we'd start to wonder if, if spring was real. And in the same way, if Easter comes 
And the people who go to church on Easter never change. We'd have to wonder, is it real? So I want to challenge you, be transformed by an encounter with the risen Christ. Walk with Jesus. Let him open the scriptures in your life. Then live out that passage. Live in that passage. Commune with him. How are we going to respond? Caden made profession of faith. Sorry, Caden. It's a beautiful thing. The questions. Pat and, and uh, Nate wrote these things. And, and Nate did or Pat did a great job, and Bree did a great job reading through these. I hope you listen, but I want to I just touch back on these things because they're for all of us. If we've professed our faith in Christ, if we've said we want to be his followers, if we say we believe in the resurrection, then these things should be true of us. Are you ready to engage in the defiant act of protest against the worldly voices that chase you and show you the world in all you say and do? And, and you show the world and all you say and do, do that you belong to him, the creator and savior of all things? Are you ready to follow Jesus anywhere by dying to yourself, saying that, God, you are worth it? God, who sent his son to die on a cross for me, you're saying, God, you are worth it. Are you ready to turn from everything that is displeasing to God, allowing the spirit of God to enter you because you know that God is better than anything this world has to offer? And people of God, I... I just want to ask you, do you say that? Can you say, I am? Because when, when we leave here, that's what we need to do. We need to say, I am. With every breath, we're going to sing a song to close. And it says, with every breath, you are able to sing the goodness of God. The bridge says, your goodness is running after me. That's what Luke is all about. God is running after us. But we need to say, with my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Let the resurrection change who you are. Let the encounter with the risen Christ transform your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Lord, we're slow to understand. Some days are better than others. Some days we live the way you want us to, and and some days we don't but you always run after us and you offer life to us and you want to meet us on the road where we are and you want to walk with us and you want to open up your word to us so that we can be transformed. Lord, we thank you. Help us to leave this place different than when we came. In your name we pray, amen.